my hope is really that kind of with with every video that I upload, it's a standalone project. And, you know, whether or not I get somebody to subscribe, I hope that at least by watching that one video, they get the information that they were looking for when they clicked on the video in the first place. Welcome to another episode of ThinkBox Radio, a podcast inspired by Sears ThinkBox, the Innovation Center at Case Western Reserve University. Our goal is to share some of the magic that happens at the Case School of Engineering and to inspire your own innovations and startups. ThinkBox Radio is produced by Lillian Messner and sponsored by the Case Alumni Association. Now let's meet our host, Robert Smith, the former economic development reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ThinkBox Radio and our first show of the new school year. We're excited today to welcome Alex Shuffleman, the creator and host of the popular YouTube show, Super Make Something. Alex is a case engineer and a robotics expert, recently the senior robotics and computational modeling engineer at Zinn Technologies. That's a major NASA contractor here in Cleveland. He'll soon be starting a new job with NASA Glenn as an engineer on its space program. And we're anxious to learn something about that. But if you know him, it's probably through his YouTube show. Super Make Something is a smart, high-energy, how-to show that teaches makers and hobbyists how to use artificial intelligence and machine learning on their own projects. It can get pretty technical, I think, but it's fun and it's inspiring. Don't take my word for it. He's got 40,000 subscribers. Alex, welcome to ThinkBox Radio. Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me on, Bob. It's great to be here. So you're our first YouTube star. We're kind of excited about that. Um, We're a little disappointed we still have to do this remotely. We're eager to see your basement workshop with the 3D printers. You'll have to tell us about that. But to start off, tell us what you're hoping to accomplish with Super Make Something, and what do you think has been the secret to your success? Sure. So Super Make Something is basically a way to try to present potentially intimidating topics, uh, you know, about technology and programming and and make them accessible to everyone. So uh, for me, uh, I I come come from a background where um, I like to teach. I like to kind of explore new technology myself and then kind of share that knowledge. So um, I found that Super Make Something is a great way to basically document my projects and things that I explore um, as I'm I'm looking at new technologies and new things, um, and then be able to share that with people and hopefully get them interested also in that same topic or just science or engineering and math. Uh, through through YouTube. Yeah, I'm wondering how you choose your subjects. There's there's a great variety. For example, a recent show explained probabilistic image classification, which is how a camera finds faces in the viewfinder or how a self-driving car follows those white lines. And I was surprised to learn it's an algorithm, though I suspect many of our listeners do that. You also have these quick how-to shows you call minis, like where you explain how to 3D print a sofa tray so I don't spill my coffee while I'm binge watching Netflix. I love that. How do you choose the subjects you explore? Is it the equipment you've been able to get? Is it an innovation you see changing the makerspace? Walk us through the selection process if you can. Sure. So it's kind of a a mix of uh, ways. So the channel started out basically with looking at technologies that I was interested in and then trying to find a a project uh, that I was kind of looking to to build around that technology, kind of like a a blog, but maybe more fun and 
and more engaging than maybe just a, a web page with text, but to have something presented um, in a fun way in a video. Um, since then, it's still a, a lot of that. Um, but since then, also, I've started to partner with various uh, companies uh, kind of throughout the world, basically. And um, sometimes they'll approach me and ask, you know, if I'm interested in taking a look at one of their new 3D printers they're developing or one of the new computers they're making, and then seeing if I can make a video around that. And then um, if I can find a way to basically make it interesting and try to kind of do something unique with it, be that making a new project with it or being able to explore maybe how a technology works, for example, in resin printing, um, then, then I like to produce videos about that. So again, basically, it's a, it's a good way for me to both, um, again, document the, the exploration that I do kind of in my free time about various tech topics, um, but then also hopefully be able to share that uh, exploration with other people and then hopefully teach them something that they didn't know before watching the video. Cool. So these are manufacturers. They approach you now. Uh, yes. So um, over the last uh, couple of years, uh, since the YouTube channel started getting bigger, um, I've been approached by companies like NVIDIA and, and various uh, kind of uh, printing manufacturers, um, both in the U.S. and overseas. And um, it seems that's a, a common way now for companies to kind of get the, the word out about their new products. And kind of what you'll find a lot on YouTube is, is tech reviews and things like that. But um, both kind of that that space is a little bit saturated. And a lot of times, you know, if a lot of people, for example, get a, get a product in hand at the same time, um, a lot of those videos tend to be the same. So really what I'm, what I'm looking um, to do kind of whenever I get involved with, with a company like that is to hopefully try to put a unique spin on it, both, you know, so one that the, that the video stands out over the, the hundreds of hours that are uploaded, uh, of video that are uploaded to YouTube each hour, but then also to hopefully engage the audience and say, you know, oh, wow, this guy has something unique to show. And by, by watching his uh, channel and maybe by subscribing and liking the videos, um, I can really learn something interesting that I didn't know before and maybe helps me, you know, sometimes in the future with, with their own project, depending on what people okay. uh, are looking to build. So it's interesting how companies like NVIDIA see you as an influencer, obviously. Um, I recall a recent show where you talked about the new resin printer, which has gotten cheaper so people can start using it at home. So do they, uh, and it looks like they send it to you. That's right. So um, typically um, the way it works is a company will email me and ask if I'm interested um, to, to review a printer or to take a look at a printer. Um, and then, you know, I usually kind of ask for more information about the, the, the unit, see if there's anything kind of unique or interesting that I can that I can talk about and then kind of go back and forth um, with the company to decide on a video topic. And then um, once I get the all clear, uh, I can basically make the video and then and then upload it. And uh, usually it's, it's, it's well received. So so you get the latest and the greatest. Do, do you get to keep these machines or do you have to send them back? I do, I do get to keep them. So that's definitely helped me fill out uh, my makerspace a bit. <laughs> Become a YouTube star. Right. <laughs> awesome. So Alex, I'm wondering, do you have a favorite show? I mean, you've been doing these for almost five years now. Do you have a favorite show or maybe a favorite kind of show? Sure. So um, I guess, you know, it, it depends maybe on what medium. So on... On YouTube, kind of in terms of shows, I like to watch a lot of other uh, people in the in the makerspace and the the electronic space and 3D printing. Um, and there is really a great community out there that you know is actively sharing the tips and tricks that they learn and and really help kind of teach 
not only other people that might not make videos, but also people that do make videos about kind of the latest maybe techniques to use when printing something or how to do uh, a circuit board design better. Um, so definitely, definitely watch a lot of YouTube. Um, besides that, I think, you know, in, in terms of TV, um, I'm definitely a, definitely a sci-fi guy. So I, I find that, uh, you know, sci-fi is always an interesting mix of kind of these really forward reaching or forward yeah. viewing technologies about things that that might exist sometime in the future and then it always seems that you know that kind of trickles down to kind of becoming real one day yeah um, but then also kind of having this like really like kind of warning like cautious warning like oh like if we do develop this new technology you know you so i think that's a that's a nice thing to always be be made aware of and i mean you have shows like Westworld, like Black Mirror, and even like Twilight Zone, it seems to be a common, a common theme in sci-fi. So I definitely, definitely like things like that, both, I guess, to kind of see what, you know, might be possible, but then also to remind myself to be careful, I guess, just because you can do something, you want to make sure to approach it in the right way, I guess. (laughs) You know, I got to say, I've I've been struck by the interaction you get. I mean, you've got the 40,000 subscribers, but you also get a lot of comments on the videos. Just streams of comments and all of us in communications would love to get that um do you know who your audience is are they techies are they inventors right so and i think that's that's really one of the cool things about youtube i mean in terms of people that you know go on there to to watch videos it's it's basically everyone and it seems like i i get a pretty good mix of people both that are kind of like more hardcore techies and kind of a lot of you know specific engineering questions uh-huh. but then i also get a lot of comments that say you know wow like this is the first time i've ever thought about using a microcontroller it seems so hard and you broke it down like super like well and it was super easy and you know now i think i'm going to i'm going to do that so yesterday for example um my one of the comments on on one of my uh, latest videos was um this person was looking to install a bunch of rgb leds in their car um but they but they had no idea how to do it and they said wow you know after you made this video now i have a a good idea of where to start and it helped me so much and just you know seeing seeing comments like that are are awesome and just so rewarding it really makes me makes me happy that you know i'm i'm making these videos and that people are really getting something useful out of it you know and also find them find them entertaining why would they want leds in their car I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think okay. in this case, maybe it was just, it, it looked cool. Uh, maybe you know, like glowing a, car out there. a Tron inspired car or something like that. But certainly, I mean, I told him to, to hopefully share the project with me once he's done. So hopefully yeah. I'll be able to, you know, at least share that also on social media. So that's another thing that I like to do. If, you know, people kind of build a project or, or recreate a project that I make or kind of modify it in some way, I do like to kind of put it out on other social media platforms like Twitter and Instagram and say, look, you know, this person built this, you can too. And hopefully yeah, get, get more people cool. to, to build the project. Very also. Cool. So, so let's go back to the beginning, sort of. You, you earned mechanical engineering degrees at Case and then a doctorate in robotics at Carnegie Mellon. And then you launched Super Make Something in 2015. Why did you start the show then? Sure. Um, so uh, initially, it started off as a way in grad school to kind of 
explore new technologies and and document them. So the way it, I think it really started was um, kind of in in 2014, right before I started the channel, the semester before, um, I was enrolled in a systems engineering class, and the the goal of the the class was to create an interactive exhibit for the Pittsburgh Children's Museum. And um, our group decided to use um, Arduinos and uh, kind of it was a team of three people and all of us on that team were, were relatively inexperienced with, with Arduino. So, you know, we, we decided to, to go online and really one of the, the better resources that we found were kind of all these YouTube videos that just had these really basic examples of how to get started. And to me, that seemed really um, really an interesting way to present information. So um, back when I was a case, actually, I both TA'd and taught Engineering 131, which was the intro to programming course. And kind of back then, I I realized that, you know, a lot of students potentially, because uh, it is kind of an introductory course that, that everybody has to take, um, a lot of people maybe were kind of scared about programming or, or weren't really know where to start or couldn't really engage with it in some way. And I, you know, it basically, I try to then tailor the tailor the lectures to try to kind of get broad engagement and to make it seem you know as interesting to as many people in the class as I could. And YouTube seemed like the the next level of doing that. So instead of having to take you know an entire semester's worth of class or listening to an hour lecture, you really had these targeted kind of mini lectures almost that are maybe like five, 10 minutes long about a topic that people are super interested in. And then kind of if you watch enough of those, you can kind of use those as, as building blocks to, to um, kind of stack together knowledge and then eventually um, create, a, uh, create a project. So kind of that's, that's kind of what inspired me after seeing um, kind of the, how useful YouTube could be. And I thought, well, you know, I, I, I have a lot of things potentially that I've learned in school that people might be interested in that I could share. Um, and again, you know, since I was going to be building these projects anyway, in my free time, it was a, a cool way to both document them, uh, just for myself personally, in case I needed to go back to them later. Um, but then also to hopefully share that knowledge, uh, with, with other people. And there couldn't have been too many other shows like this at that time. Did you have a model or did you have to invent it? Right. So back then, um, kind of the the maker movement, you know, had, had started and was going strong. But certainly um, the number of people creating content on YouTube was definitely a lot uh, less than, than there are now. So back then, kind of the, <clears throat> um, the two channels that I found were, uh, one was a channel called I Like to Make Stuff, sure. um, hosted by a YouTuber named Bob Claggett. And then another one um, was by another YouTuber whose name is Winston Moy. And um, compared to some of the other channels I found, I found they were kind of more engineering focused than a lot of the other kind of DIY channels that were out there at the yeah. time, which were mostly focused on, on woodworking. And I really liked, you know, the, the way they they kind of broke down also these seemingly complicated topic, you know, in the area that they were interested in. And it, it really seemed to me that kind of having a, a video in that style that kind of covered more broad engineering and technical topics, one showed that there was an interest in, in that kind of content on YouTube. Um, but again, also, you know, seeing a lot of the, the comments they were getting, for example, and kind of the interactions okay. they were having with the people that hosted the show made me think like, wow, I can really contribute to this and hopefully help people out and also teach them something. We're going to pause for a moment here for a word from our sponsor, the Case Alumni Association. ThinkBox Radio is brought to you by the Case Alumni Association, which represents the engineering, science, and math graduates of Case Western Reserve University. We're the oldest independent alumni association of engineering and applied science graduates in America. 
Have you heard of us? If not, you've heard of our graduates. Case grads include Nobel Prize-winning scientist Paul Lauterbur, the inventor of the MRI, Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, Andrew Witte, the creator of the smartwatch, and Julia Louise Gerberding, the first woman to lead the Center for Disease Control. At Case, we're proud of our spirit of discovery and innovation, which is why we support ThinkBox, the world-class innovation center at the Case School of Engineering. Where'd that name come from? Super make something. Yeah, so that's that's a good question. So, you know, obviously with 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 making um, and, and maker things, uh, I, I wanted to have that in the name, but also wanted to have it, you know, be be kind of general, but also kind of large, I guess, and kind of make a splash. So make something kind of maybe sounded a little bit too general, maybe not enthusiastic. And I'm like, oh, well, how can we, how can we up the ante a little bit? And of course, you know, putting, putting super on it worked, worked for Mario and worked for everything else back in the day. So I figured, why not try that? And since then, the, the, the name stuck and, you know, people, I guess now, now seem to recognize it, which is, which okay. is good. No, that's cool. That's cool. All right. I want to take you back a little further even. So you came to Cleveland from Germany when you were eight years old. Mm -hmm. I think your dad came for a job. He was a computer engineer? Yes, that's right. Okay. So what was it like then starting over in a new culture? I know you were just a kid then, but how do you think the immigrant experience shaped you? <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, like like you said, I mean, the culture is is definitely different. So um, <laughs> I guess I had a, a little bit of an easier transition. So my mom um, actually grew up in Canada. Also, she's German, but she also grew up in Canada. So, okay. um, you know, she was able to kind of help me with with the language and kind of getting getting introduced to that early. But certainly, culturally, um, there's there's some differences. So you know, they say kind of Germans are, are very direct and kind of very straightforward. And that's certainly true. Um, and kind of the one of the first things that I noticed in the in the U.S. moving here is just everyone is so open and so so friendly. And I like to think, I guess, by kind of having grown up in in, in both cultures, I, I have a mix of both, which I hope, you know, is, is useful for the channel. So one, like, you know, being able to kind of be direct and trying to say things as they are and kind of present information very clearly, very directly in a very short amount of time. Um, but then ho hopefully also be kind of open and warm and approachable so that, you know, if if people have a question, for example, they're not afraid to ask and, you know, they they, they look forward basically to, to interacting with you. So I think, uh, you know, that that's definitely one of the the big things. And I mean, of course, moving to a moving to a new country is is always scary uh, and kind of leaving yeah. you know behind your your friends and family. But I think uh, I came at an age where, you know, I was it was very easy to kind of make new friends. And it was kind of very fortunate to be able to kind of come at a relatively young age. So that transition was, was a easier than it might've been, you know, coming, coming later. So. Okay. Um, one thing I get from, uh, I hear from immigrants a lot when they, they come here in their school days is they find that the school's a little easier over here. Like they were already a little ahead in math and stuff in Europe. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I left um, at the end of second grade, I left Germany. And I know um, at that point we were doing multiplication and division. Yeah. And then I think in the U.S. We, we started covering that maybe towards the middle or end of third grade. So, you know, maybe. certainly a, a, a little bit further ahead, maybe in, in the math area um, in, in that regard. I love the, the German-American influence in your show. I think they both shine through. I'm wondering where that entertainer come from came from. Um, you taught some computer courses. You've done some theater productions. Um, do these experiences kind of shape your show? 
For sure. So in high school, I, I was like you had said, I was involved with a lot of uh, performance. So both playing uh, saxophone, but then also doing theater and speech and debate in in high school. And I think really, you know, doing that every weekend and getting a lot of practice, hopefully, I guess, made me a little more, I don't want to say coherent, but maybe a little bit easier to to express my ideas in a, in a clear manner and being able to realize, you know, what people really kind of have an easier time to engage with when they're watching somebody present or when they're interacting with them. So definitely a lot of those kind of presentation skills, I think were, were yes. honed during, during that time. That's yes. definitely, definitely had a big impact on me for sure. I noticed that about your show right off the bat. It's well staged. There, oh, the images yeah. come in when I need them. Um, the voice moves quickly. Uh, things are well explained. Well staged is what I would use. I could tell oh, you had a clear background. Yeah, thank you so much. And I think, you know, compared to some other shows that are out there, so you have a lot of content creators that, you know, try to release a video every week, for example, and, you know, always maybe have the same settings and kind of present things in their own way. Um, I think compared to those, my show takes a little bit longer to produce, so I don't really upload as frequently as maybe some other channels. But kind of I hope that the that the wait is worth it so that, you know, once I do put something out, hopefully that's kind of a, a self-contained project that instead of having to maybe watch a series of videos on and having to pick through multiple videos to get the information, my hope is really that kind of with with every video that I upload, it's a standalone project. And, you know, whether or not I get somebody to subscribe, I hope that at least by watching that one video, they get the information that they were looking for when they clicked on the video in the first place. And I'm hoping oh, that, okay. you know, that's kind of the, the thing at the, at the very least, like I said, if they don't subscribe or if I don't get anybody to, to hit the like button, I'm, again, I'm hoping at least they, they were able to get the information that they came for and then kind of go on their way and, and, uh, build their own project uh, better than they were able to before. Excellent. So let's shift gears here. After working with NASA as a partner for a number of years, you're going over there full time. Tell us about your new job at NASA, Glenn, and what you'll be doing for the nation's space program. Uh, sure. So actually on September 14th, so this upcoming Monday, I'm going to be starting a new position as a robotics slash aerospace engineer in the uh, mechanism and tribology branch at NASA Glenn. And uh, there I'm going to be supporting NASA's upcoming lunar and Mars rover missions by helping them characterize, test, and flight qualify NASA's uh, non-pneumatic shape memory alloy spring tires uh, that were originally uh, developed at NASA Glenn Research Center. And the, the hope is basically to be able to use those on future rovers um, to, to make them more robust and to be able to extend kind of the, the, the lifetime of the rovers and also to be able to have them kind of conduct more science while, while they're on, on the surface. So Awesome. And you're so going to do a show on how those work or is that like proprietary technology? Um, so yeah, so NASA has uh, kind of published uh, kind of some some information on that. Basically, what it is, it's a it's a special type of uh, metallic alloy which is um, really compliant and doesn't plastically deform. So the idea there is that you basically weave these strands of shape memory alloy together um, into a into a tire shape. And then uh, because there's no air inside and this, it's this highly flexible metal, you can basically um, kind of sharply compress 
uh, kind of in a concentrated area of the tire at a certain point. Um, so like what you would get for maybe by driving over a sharp rock or something like that. Um, but then the tire springs right back. So the, the hope yeah. is that basically by, by having this new tire technology, um, one, you'll be able to explore maybe some more aggressive terrains that you weren't able to explore yeah. before with, with other wheels. But then also, you know, if you accidentally happen to drive over something, um, like a large obstacle or something that's bad, that's not going to prematurely end the mission just because of some some driving mishap. So okay, um, and Alex, what do you think? What's the future of uh, Super Make Something? Will you continue the show? What's what's your vision for the show? Sure. So, and I think you know that's that's a good question, and I think it's really. Uh, up to a number of factors, I think. So I, I think even since starting this show, um, you know, it's always been kind of a, a playground for my ideas to explore and talk about new technologies that I find interesting and I come across. But certainly since I've started making this video or these videos, um, they've definitely evolved a bit now working with various different partners um, and trying to, you know, make videos about technologies that I might have not considered making videos about um, just by myself in the past. So um, I think certainly it will always be a, a way where I continue to make projects and hopefully always try to teach people something that they that they didn't know before. Um, but hopefully it'll it'll continue to grow. So like I said, this kind of this partnership um, uh, collaboration opportunities now have opened up kind of a new dimension for the channel and kind of yeah. as the channel continues to grow. I'm hoping you know we'll we'll get more sponsors um, and hopefully there'll be more interest. I know you know if you're really big, sometimes you get maybe a a Netflix show or a Discovery Channel show. I don't know if that's in my cards, but certainly oh, if if really. you know, people would be interested in, in having the Super Make Something show on, on basic cable, uh, if, if somebody wants to approach me, I'd be interested. So. <laughs> All right. All right. So if folks were going to tune in for the first time, is there a show you would steer them towards that kind of gives a good sense of, of what you are or maybe that you're especially proud of? Sure. So, um, so one of the projects I think that that was really cool that I made recently was for uh, last year's Cleveland Maker Fair. It's the NeoPixel Mirror, and basically what it is, it's a project built around a Raspberry Pi, and the Raspberry Pi has a camera and it controls an array of 576 uh, RGB LEDs, and the the idea is to basically make a kind of a low resolution digital mirror. Um, that you know people can interact with, and that that idea was actually inspired by um, a an artist whose name is Daniel Rosen, and he makes a lot of mechanical mirrors. So instead of having these individual pixels, um, he has wooden tiles and various other things that he, that he moves with a bunch of motors. And actually, uh, the way I came across that was through that systems engineering class at the at the Pittsburgh Children's Museum. Um, but I think kind of that. That video for me, that Raspberry Pi uh, NeoPixel mirror video, is really a, a good ex uh, good demonstration of, of what I try to do with the channel. So it you know starts at the at the basics, goes through electronics, gets wild with three D printing and laser cutting, and you know tries to pull out all the stops to to build this really cool project that people would be interested in. And again, my hope is that by hitting kind of these various topics. Even if maybe a person isn't interested in the project as a whole, maybe they'll be interested in like a in the subsection. So like, oh wow, like electronics are really cool, or three D yeah. printing is really cool, or yes. you know, cutting things with lasers is really cool. So yeah. I think that's a that's a good example of of the kind oh, of content I, that I that I like to do and like to make. I'm watching that one in Raspberry Pi NeoPixel Mirror. That's right. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, that's about all the time we have for today. I hope you uh, all tune into Alex on YouTube and see for yourself 
what Super Make Something is all about. Alex, thanks for your time and your insight, and good luck at NASA. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, thank you for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. And that concludes another episode of ThinkBox Radio, stories inspired by America's leading college innovation center. Thanks for listening. And remember, our motto at Case Western Reserve University is, think beyond the possible.